SCORE Innovation Podcast. Welcome to the SCORE Innovation Podcast channel for a new property and casualty episode. My name is Veva Collison, Head of Marketing PNC for the Americas. With me is Paul Nunn, Senior Advisor to the CEO of SCORE PNC, and we are your hosts today. As one of the world's largest reinsurers, SCORE provides insurance companies with diverse and innovative solutions focused on the art and science of risk. Let's dive into today's topic around ESG, a term that has emerged recently in the market. Hi, Paul, and thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Could you give a brief introduction about your background and how it led you to your current role? Hello, Sveva, um, and thank you very much for, for having me on this uh, on this podcast. I uh, have been with SCORE for uh, 10 years, 10 years this March, and most of the time my role was managing the natural catastrophe risk for the PNC division. Uh, more recently, I've changed lanes slightly and I've, uh, I'm now a special advisor in charge of our ESG strategy for the uh, general insurance side. Before SCORE, I, uh, I've also worked for a, for a catastrophe risk modelling company, so I've got a, a strong background in the, uh, in, in the climate-related uh, hazard side of things. Thank you. So for the benefit of listeners, could, could you please explain the, the term ESG? Sure. The E, the S and the G stand for Environmental, Social and Governance. And within Environmental, we're really thinking about the key themes around climate change, um, biodiversity loss and ecosystem loss, pollution, both air pollution and uh, pollution of the of the oceans and the acidification of the oceans, um, social and sometimes people also use societal as uh, as, as the S under the, under this topic. We're thinking about human capital, the sort of staff well-being, HR type topic, training, investing in people. Uh, also diversity and inclusion, which is obviously a, a, a very pertinent theme in the US. Um, community outreach and engagement is also covered under under the social. Financial inclusion. There's a there's a large a large number of people that aren't well served by uh, by banking and insurance. Um, on governance, we're really thinking about uh, corporate governance. The sort of usual things around making sure that the right controls are in place um, to manage against things like money laundering, bribery, corruption. And under governance, topics around things like uh, executive remuneration also feature under under that governance topic. Great. So as we understand that ESG is a growing topic on the market, um, we're seeing more and more articles, webinars, conferences around it. Could you tell us why ESG is a topic that is of increasing focus for company boards and also to what extent it is just a rebranding of uh, the former CSR, corporate social responsibility? Sure. Well, I mean, I think key to this is that investors are now really starting to see a link between companies that take ESG seriously and profitability. And I think that's the that's been the, the critical change. And we've seen, um, for example, ESG funds um, have outperformed the the S and P 500 index last year. So, so there are there are signs that companies that are more progressive that are preparing themselves and are acquitting themselves well on ESG topics are actually you know, perform, outperforming other companies. It's not entirely clear whether they're outperforming 
because of their ESG activities or whether better performing companies are spending more resources, more time, more effort on developing their ESG activities. But there's there's certainly a correlation between ESG and profitability. And I think that's something that has really got the attention of investors. But more generally, uh, we're seeing more and more urgency around themes like climate change. It's, you know, it's really uh, becoming clear that the global economy needs to needs to undertake a a major energy transition to work towards being carbon neutral by 2050. And that transition is going to be quite disruptive. And, and I think there's going to be winners and losers in the in the process of that transition. And I think that uh, lots of stakeholders see that organizations that are actively confronting and managing ESG themes are more likely to be the winners than, uh, than than those that are not in this tremendous transition that we're going to be seeing over the coming years. Um, we're also seeing, as I said, you know, investors are starting to see this link between between you know performance from an ESG perspective, and they're increasingly active. There's a uh, there's an initiative which uh, for which is the Principles for Responsible Investment which now has over 3,000 signatories and they've got assets under management of more than $100 trillion. So this is an incredibly powerful block of investors and they're starting to use that clout in terms of voting on resolutions at AGMs and really starting to engage with companies to encourage them in making plans in, in terms of transitioning. You know, another another fact we see, or certainly that I'm I'm aware of, is that I think COVID-19, our experience over the last year or so, um, has also played a part in raising people's awareness. We've seen improvements in pollution levels. There's been less air pollution because there's been less less transport, less travel. Uh, there's less greenhouse gas emissions going into the atmosphere in general. I think your your question around CSR, you know, I think the, the main difference here between ESG and CSR is really about accountability. CSR, which was really the sort of terminology that we were using in the uh, the end of the 20th century, was really about, um, was largely sort of voluntary initiatives um, from companies. And some skeptics might, uh, might say that CSR was a bit of a fig leaf to provide cover for the companies carrying on with business as usual activities. Now, after 10 plus years of, uh, of focus on ESG, there's a growing set of companies who are looking to score and benchmark company performance under each of the different themes of, of E, S and G using a, you know, a large number of different criteria within each of those themes. So we have you know, specialist non-financial ratings agency companies like um, MSCI and uh, ISS. And they're now facing competition from the sort of the traditional credit rating agencies like S&P Global and Moody's, who are also developing their own set of ESG rating. Because we've got lots and lots of different organisations trying to do uh, do their own version of ESG ratings, there's a bit of a lack of standardisation in the scales that these rating agencies are using. And that is a bit of a challenge. We're also seeing quite a lot of variation in the landscape for disclosure of information, the norms around disclosure of information. But I think that this is something that's going to, uh, we'll see harmonization in that area over the over the coming years. Peter, where do you see uh, ESG considerations driving innovation? 
Uh, I think there's quite a lot of areas we can envisage ESG really driving innovation. Now, in the, in the real economy, uh, I mentioned the energy transition, and I think that's going to need a lot of innovation. One of the ways of, uh, of using less fossil fuels and producing less emissions is to electrify and for the electricity generation to be done using sort of renewable and low carbon, low, low carbon methods. Um, I think another area, I think we're going to see hydrogen being increasingly developed as a fuel. Uh, and there are there are green ways of producing of producing hydrogen. So there's going to be lots of development and innovation around the uh, around the production heating methods. But in addition to to using hydrogen as a fuel, it's also a way of addressing one of the key concerns about renewable energy, and that's storage. One of the answers to that is that is that you can use that surplus energy to create and store hydrogen, and then use the hydrogen when you need it later on. So I think you know hydrogen could be a key part of the economy of the future, and that's that's an area where there's plenty of innovation. Another area is energy efficiency. So increasing the energy efficiency of um, the appliances that we use and the vehicles that we drive. Um, another key technology that is is going to be necessary is carbon capture and storage technology. We're not going to be able to give up on using fossil fuels completely. Uh, there's also some companies that are developing direct air capture machines that are kind of just extracting carbon dioxide out of out of the atmosphere and then selling on that carbon dioxide. So, that, you know, there's some promising technologies there, which I think will, will feature in the, more in the future. In terms of innovation around insurance products and the sort of insurance opportunities, you know, there's clearly going to be a need and an opportunity to ensure these new and um, and often prototype technologies that are talked about, are in, including uh, wind farms and solar farms, and also an opportunity to create new insurance products that um, that actually incentivise people to use less energy. You know, we've seen that already in in terms of um, car insurance. We've seen where we see sort of paper mile contracts for for car insurance in various parts of the world. Um, there's going to be a lot of infrastructure necessary uh, to be built to protect against the climate change that's coming. Um, so things like flood flood defences, flood protection, and and those uh, those infrastructure construction projects will all need insuring. So there's there's opportunities there from an insurance perspective. As an industry, if you if you think about the the um, uh, you know the the premiums that we take in every year and the and the claims that we pay out every year we're spending billions of dollars every each and every year replacing people and companies assets after they've suffered from a fire or an earthquake or a storm so you know i see that there's scope for our insurance products to involve that include uh, an element of betterment than than we lost uh, you know, we could do that by replacing, for example, appliances with more energy efficient refrigerators or air conditioning units. There's a large number of people in the world who don't have access to insurance and that makes them, you know, that makes their lives and livelihoods somewhat more precarious. And uh, in the developing economies of the world, I think we're going to see more in innovation looking to close the protection gap. This will be products and uh, things like micro insurance products and community agriculture schemes. In protecting people's livelihoods, it, it means that they're less likely to be displaced after uh, a catastrophe or a disaster hits their community. They're much more likely to be able to stay in place and work, work through the challenges of the, the aftermath of a disaster. 
yeah, so I think that's that, that, that kind of pretty much covers where I see some of those uh, ESG considerations as far as driving the innovation agenda. Uh, Paul, could you tell us about um, a few trends to watch out for in 2021? Uh, well, we've got um, two really big conferences happening this year. So COP26 um, is a climate conference that's happening in Glasgow in Scotland in November. Um, it should have been last year, but that was deferred because of uh, coronavirus. And, and at this conference, I think we'll, we'll see a, a strong ratcheting up of commitments from national governments and civil society in terms of commitments to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, because we're lagging behind where we need to be in order to stay on track for, for just one and a half degrees of, uh, of warming by 2050. Um, there's also going to be a similar global conference, but on biodiversity, which is going to be in uh, in May in China. And I think we're going to see significant increase in the amount of targeted engagement with companies on the impact of, the, of their business and their business model has on, on ecosystems and biodiversity loss. And, you know, we've seen a lot of focus on coal and uh, oil and gas companies with climate change. I think that you know, when we look at biodiversity, there's going to be increased focus on activities of sectors like uh, agriculture, agribusiness and uh, food and drinks manufacturing sectors as well, where, you know, we see sort of agricultural monoculture and deforestation to, to make uh, land for, for grazing or for agriculture, for arable um, farming and also water extraction for uh, manufacturing production or irrigation. These can all have very direct impacts on biodiversity loss. Also, as we start to emerge from the pandemic, expect you know to see a number of recovery stimulus packages around the world, and and for these to have a strong green flavour, you know, stimulate the economy in a green direction. And this may take all sorts of different forms, including subsidies or incentives for installing, say, solar panels or air source heating. Um, another challenge that we face is we have um, in, in in many countries we've got very poor quality existing building stock which needs to be retrofitted to be to be more than sort of thermally efficient and i think we're also going to see uh, measures to retrain people from sectors that have been heavily hit by the pandemic so thinking about the sort of retail sector hospitality travel industry for example and retrain people who you know lost their jobs or are now kind of unemployed and, and into more green technical jobs in in, in those sectors well, this all sounds really interesting. Um, we'd love to have you back to talk about developments in this area in an upcoming podcast, if you'd, um, if you'd come back to talk to us about this. Sure, that would be great. Thank you to all of our guests for joining today. You can subscribe to the Score Innovation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other audio platforms, and be our first listener to new episodes. If you want to share your insights with us, then send us a message at scorepodcast at score.com. Stay tuned and see you at the next episode of SCORE Innovation Podcast.